listening to a special podcast produced by UMFM 101.5 in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival, running Thursday, July 6th through Sunday, July 9th at picturesque Birds Hill Park. Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music that has been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. I'm Michael Elves, host of Thank God It's Free Range, and this episode spotlights Buffalo Nichols. Milwaukee, Wisconsin blues artist Buffalo Nichols is set to release his sophomore record, The Fatalist, on Fat Possum Records this fall. Buffalo Nichols will be performing on Friday, July 7th at 1.30 p.m. at Little Stage in the Forest. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times to purchase tickets and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca. Well, since I could remember, I've been wandering on my own Looking lost and lonesome since I left my mother's home Well, since I could remember, I've been wandering on my own Looking lost and lonesome since I left my mother's home Looking lost and lonesome since I left my mother's home Got no friends, but who can you really put your faith in in the end? Cause it's hard, hard to trust someone. But loyalty is just a word that slips off of your tongue. Loyalty is just a word and it slips off of your tongue. Question how you learned to love like that. She tried to answer as she pulled the knife out of her back. And when I asked the question, how you learned to love again? You're gonna suffer anyway, but it's better with a friend. You're gonna suffer anyway, ain't it better with a friend? Sometimes I see an old friend And we will talk about the places that we've been But then we go our separate ways Lost and lonesome to the end of our days Lost and lonesome to the end of our days Performing under the name Buffalo Nichols, Carl Nichols is coming to the Winnipeg Folk Festival, bringing you a little preview of his album, The Fatalist, which is out later this fall. And uh, he joins us on the show. Welcome, Carl. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you on and uh, excited to have you up at Winnipeg Folk Festival. Now, you're from Milwaukee. Have you ever come up to Winnipeg prior? I know some some folks make the journey, but... Uh, no, I haven't. I've definitely been aware that it's, you know, it's not too far, but it'll be my first time. Sure enough. Now, uh, 
I'm I'm very curious. I I, I heard an interview you did uh, out of Tucson where you talked about you know what got you into guitar and it was Limp Biscuit. And uh, <laughs> Limp Biscuit to what I hear on you know the the first single from the Fatalist and from your your self titled record. Uh, I'm I'm very curious about the like the narrative thread that led you from one to the other because it, it doesn't seem on the face of it like like a one to one journey. Well, I I did name Limp Biscuit for some comedic effect. Okay, um, but it was just that era, um, that kind of late '90s, uh, you know, late '90s mainstream rock music was like new metal and stuff like that. Um, so around that was around the same time that I picked up the guitar. So the the music that was really accessible to me was was the stuff that was on MTV and on the radio. So I did start playing that kind of alternative music early on, and but then I just branched out in, into every type of guitar music that I could that I could get my hands and ears on. So were you trying to just kind of essentially replicate what you're hearing on the radio or on TV at that point? Uh yeah. I mean, at that time, I couldn't really play anything <laughs> but um you know it was a, it was an example of what of what i could aspire to right and so then kind of once you get your feet under you with the instrument is it then you start kind of exploring like what you can do personally versus like what someone else has kind of laid down before uh it, it took a while um i would say the first uh 10 years or so i was just you know one of those people that just wanted to play everything and I would just look for the most challenging guitar music that I could find. So I got into, you know, more metal that way and the the shred stuff. Um, but it was probably the second half of that, of my 20 years of playing guitar, where I started to explore my own identity creatively. So at first it was like kind of like on the technical side of things, like you were looking for like like a Steve Vai type like proficiency? Yeah, definitely. I was more interested in exploring the instrument than in my own, you know, um, expressions. And then like at a certain point, you start to see yourself as an instrument, like, and figuring out kind of like what you yourself can play versus what the guitar is capable of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the kind of player I, I aspire to be today. Like I, I have some of the technical skills that I learned early on, but it's to me, I, I see the, um, the guitar, like, like the human voice, you know, there's a technical aspect to it, but People are more connected to hearing what what kind of you know hearing what you have to say more so than how how quote unquote good you are. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, growing up in Milwaukee, like was was there much exposure to the blues in in that scene, or how did you come come to the blues? Yeah, there there is. I think it's pretty much any American city, especially in like the north and the and the Midwest and in the South. There's just a sort of bedrock, like bedrock culture of of blues in in bars and things like that. So that was always around. Um, the folk blues thing wasn't so prevalent. You would get touring bands every once in a while, but it wasn't something that I just saw every day. Um, but it was yeah, just curiosity and going to record stores and things like that that got me into into the kind of music that I started making later. Was there a particular artist or a particular record that kind of locked you in on on that style at some point like can you recall yeah i i do remember um there was like um there were a couple i would go to to like get compilations so there's a lot of compilations that got me into folk music and and there was some like lead belly was one of the early ones that i found that got me 
And at the time, I didn't really understand the difference between folk and old time and, and blues. And now I see that there really isn't that much of a difference. But back then, it was just like, this is just old music. And then started to figure out what the categories were and listen to who influenced who. And it just spread from there. Yeah. Speaking of categories, I saw you posted on Instagram asking just what exactly is Americana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, puzzling over, you know, these distinctions. And uh, it seems to be like a marketing thing. Uh, in fact, and I think in the interview you did with the, the Tucson radio, the the host who's a professor in uh, like American cultural studies talked about mm-hmm. you know, race records versus like bluegrass records. And it was just basically like a color distinction of the artist. Yeah, and it's it still is, which is not that surprising. Like that's kind of how it started. So nobody's really done the work to to undo that. But it, it is marketing, and then I think that's the struggle that so many artists have is, you know, you make the work that you want to make, but then you have to figure out how to sell it. So you would like to ignore all these categories and all these marketing tactics, but you know, especially now in the TikTok era, musicians have to play. A really active role in their own music promotion so you have to think about you know where does my music fit and it's always frustrating <laughs> so is, is that something that's entering into your thought process when you're making music as to like how it would like downstream what you're going to have to do with it or do you make things independent of that and then have to just kind of like figure that out post song uh it, it's both for me i i just write and try to keep every one and everything out of my mind but then when it's time to make the record, I have to kind of do some editing, you know, and I have to say, okay, this song is too long for the radio and this song doesn't really fit and it won't make it on any playlist. And I, and you have to work backwards that way. But I have to make sure that I keep the creative part of my brain moving and just ignore that stuff. So it's more of a of a reductive thing to, co- to go back and, and see what works and what doesn't. But I can't create from the the mentality of okay what's what are people gonna like so as far as rolling out you know singles and release of the record so the the fatalist is out this fall you dropped you're gonna need somebody on your bond choosing that as the first one was there any particular kind of impetus for that that was like tiktok oriented or at least kind of you know thinking about kind of the, the social media play of it uh that one the 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 reasoning at least for me behind that was kind of more so of a like a a rejection of of what I had seen so far in in what is expected from blues artists. So I wanted to right off the bat from this for this album let people know that I wasn't going to do the traditional thing. Um because I think from the last album people were really I would talk to people and they would say, Oh, I'm so excited that somebody's doing the the real blues or all this stuff. And I'm like, that's not that's just not me. So I wanted to give people something that's pretty it's still recognizable as the blues, but definitely not traditional at all. So that was, it was more of a reintroduction and, and I'm kind of crossing my fingers that, that people will actually like it. So people were assuming you were a traditionalist based on that first record and and you felt yeah. that that wasn't the entirety of you. And so you needed to kind of show a little more of yourself. Yeah. And it wasn't just the, that it wasn't the full picture. It was actually the complete opposite of, of what I wanted to do. I really wanted to, to you know, get the genre forward and and in front of new people, and then I ended up just you know giving people exactly what they wanted, the people who wanted the genre to to move backwards. Yeah, I'd read. I think I think it's a quote that you said. You know, the blues has been frozen in amber, 
and you're hoping to kind of like free it from that and, and show if it had, you know, the, the drum machines are like 50 years old and the, the blues would have started incorporating them at some point. Yeah, exactly. I'm definitely, that's one of the, the things I've started to say is I want to like liberate the music. Like it's, it's trapped and you know, there are some artists trying to set it free and, and bring it into the future, but there's also a pretty large and well-funded machine that would like for it to stay, you know, familiar and, and easy to, you know, just, just old, keep it, keep it as it was, I guess. Those artists that are trying to free it, are you, do you talk with them about this? Is this something that you, you know, off, off stage, maybe discuss after, after a performance? Yeah, definitely. Um, this is something that is a conversation and, you know, we're all working against systems and expectations and, and, you know, trying to earn a living at the same time. But I do talk to artists and, and everybody's kind of dealing with the same thing, like the music that you want to make versus the music that is, that works within the system. Well, speaking of the system, the albums have been, your last record and this record are both on Fat Possum. Uh, My familiarity with the the label first came when they were reissuing like RL, uh, so like Junior Kimbrough and Mm -hmm. RL Burnside records and stuff like that. And I mean, that was about 20 years ago, I think. And, but it was, you know, really like, throwback blues in some sense have you had any issues with the label in terms of like pushing pushing against that portion of kind of their discography um not really early on there was like there was a a period of us trying to understand what what the other wanted from the other um but at this point we've gotten to know each other and there's definitely like we're kind of on the same page like wanting to work within the blues but still trying to expand what what the blues can mean and i think that's what that's what i'm trying to do and that's that's what they've done in the past because they did the the real kind of almost like field recording kind of re-releases and all these things but then they had you know the artists um doing more contemporary music as well which was you know still to this day is a pretty unique thing that we haven't seen people um attempt in earnest you know so sure now the the first record was self-titled and yes. and this one's called the fatalist and as i understand it like it's at least the review i read was saying it's pr- pretty like first person uh in terms of the songs i mean other than you know it, the, the, you're going to need somebody on your bond is, is a reinterpretation of a classic mm-hmm. are, are you the fatalist uh no there's there's not a lot of uh first person actually this one is, is is actually a lot of like okay so the review i read maybe was a little <laughs> misinterpreted well, it's first person in the sense of like i would like it to seem as if the whole album is being told from one perspective but it's not necessarily like me or autobiographical um but i i it's not so much saying that i am the fatalist but i think the the characters and the stories in the song are just people trying to understand, you know, if their life has already been decided or if they can, if they can control it in some way. Is that something you wrestle with yourself or is that something you're thinking about society wide? Yeah, definitely both. And, and it, it seems to be a common theme, especially like with my first album and, and just coming from a, a place creatively where I just always did whatever, I, whatever I wanted. And then, you know, that's why I always talk about genres in the music industry is being a creative person and having to 
work in power structures, it starts, you start to feel, you know, powerless and a lot of people struggle with that. Um, and, you know, then I started thinking more like this isn't just a music industry thing. This is a, it's a life thing. You know, you're up against things that you feel you can't control. And then some people resign to it and some people try to fight, but there's still always, you're still always wondering like, has this already been decided or, or can I do anything about it? So do you write through your thoughts and questions or you try to like answer those things for yourself before you start writing? Uh, yeah, usually I don't really, um, I usually let the song in terms of music, I let the song kind of decide the answers or the, the ending. Um, I don't always know where the song is going to go. Usually I, I don't. Um, and then just the, the melodies and, and the words start coming out and it starts to, to go in a certain direction. And the title for the album came after the songs were done. And I kind of looked at everything and I was like, okay, there seems to be a, a theme here. So, so you, it was only after in like in hindsight that you kind of saw a theme to this, the album. You weren't, you weren't trying to craft an album with that theme ahead of time. Yeah. And I, I've, I've tried in the past to kind of do concept albums and start with the title and then, you know, like I said, whenever I write songs, they kind of take on a life of their own. So it, it works out better for me to to have the have everything like a puzzle and then put it together and, and see what it is. Well, speaking of things being like a puzzle and then like putting it together, the Charlie Patton samples that are that are on mm -hmm. the record. When did the idea for that come in, like in terms of like piecing together and, and, you know, incorporating past work into contemporary work? What was the like mindset or thought process behind that? Well, that was it came from another side of my musical career you know almost as long as i've been playing guitar i've been doing like hip-hop things and like you know turntables and and samplers and drum machines and i always kept them separate um but then this time i i, I tried it took me a few years actually but i started thinking about like you know bridging that gap not just for like the history of music but just for myself bringing those two worlds together um, so I, I was really, I'm really inspired by, you know, sample based, uh, hip hop music, especially stuff from like the nineties and early two thousands and like MF doom specifically, who's like, he has albums with, you know, mad villain stuff. And there's just so many samples. So I sat down and I was like, I want to try to make like a sample based, um, you know, folk music album. And that was the first song that came from that idea. And then the rest of it, I just kind of ran out of time and I scrapped the idea, but I decided to keep that one. And that kind of inspired the the rest, the, the next album. So then in terms of playing that out, like, are you just playing like triggers as well as your, your resonator guitar, like to kind of like recreate that? Or did you give some thought to like, I'm that's how it exists on the record and it's not necessarily how it's going to be on the stage? I haven't, um, I've been on the road I was on the, I was traveling and touring while I recorded the album and I have been ever since. So I haven't sat down to incorporate that version into my live set, but I do play with a drum machine and a sampler live with my setup as it is. And I've been, even before I wrote those songs, I was evolving my, my set to incorporate those ideas. So I'm still figuring that out, but that it will be in the live set pretty soon. Sure enough. Before I let you go, Carl, I want to get you to pick a track from, from your uh, catalog we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking that or an anecdote about it. So whether it's the new single or something from the first record, whatever you want to pick, I'd love to hear why you're picking it.
Yeah, let's go with the the new single. And yeah, like I said, especially for for anybody who's gonna come see me in the next year or two, I think it's a it's a pretty good example of of what I have to come and and also a nice reminder that you know the blues is even as a musical form is still relevant and still holds up. So we don't need to quite move on from it. It still has something to to say. Perfect. Well, we'll give that one a listen and remind folks that you can catch Buffalo Nichols at the Winnipeg Folk Festival very shortly. Looking forward to having you up here, Carl. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for taking some time today. All right.
to a special podcast spotlighting Buffalo Nichols, who will be performing on Friday, July 7th at 1.30pm at Little Stage in the Forest at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca to get tickets to this great event running July 6th through 9th at Birds Hill Park. Head to 